Have you ever wondered why your mind haunts you? Have you ever felt excited to embark on the next chapter of your life? How about feeling uncertain of what might come in the future? Or how about feeling like you don't belong? Are you constantly questioning your abilities, dismissed praises because you thought you didn't deserve it, or felt a sense of pride and accomplishment after achieving something? Well, it is normal to have mixed feelings about graduating, about a huge part of your life is over. And according to a study done in 2020, 46% of students feel like imposters at least once. Hey there, I'm Alessia Armini, and welcome to another episode of Mind Your Coffee. As we all know, in Venezuela, coffee is more than just a beverage. It's the centerpiece of every important conversation, especially the tough ones. That's why, in this podcast, we're going to tackle mental health issues in students, just like we would over a cup of coffee. In this episode, we'll be diving into topics like graduating, decision-making, and imposter syndrome. We'll hear firsthand from students at Teo San Pablo University, as well as insight and advice from a resident psychologist and a professional recruiter on interviews from the other side of the table. So grab a cup of coffee and join us for this important and engaging discussion on mental health in students. Let's start breaking down the stigma and supporting each other one cup of coffee at a time. Joining me once again is a member of our team, our psychologist Trina Idriago de Schwartz. She has a master's in social work with a focus on family. During the pandemic, she worked with a large company in Venezuela providing support to employees struggling with anxiety. We're thrilled to have Trina here today to share her insight, her experiences, as well as answer some questions related to the topic of the day. She has a wealth of knowledge in her field, and her work during the pandemic has been especially valuable. So, let's dive in and learn more about Trina's work and how she's helping others during their challenging time. Welcome back, Trina. Hi, nice to talk to you again. <laughs> As you know, in today's episode, we'll be talking about decision-making, the notion of what's next, and imposter syndrome. With some of us graduating so soon, obviously, there are a lot of emotions attached to an event like this. Do you think it's possible for students to have negative emotions as well as positive ones attached to a fact like this? Yeah, of course, there is a lot of mixed feelings because there is a stage of life that is finished and you are becoming to another stage. You have uncertainty. You really don't know where are you going to. You have your knowledge, but also you have your doubts about what you have to do in the next stage, in the new job. Yeah. It's really important to write down your affirmations. For example, I have spent four years in this university and I learned what I need to learn to go to a job. I will learn a lot in the new job, but I will get better with experience. It's important that we have mixed feelings and to have someone to talk about those feelings is important. You don't realize that you have those feelings. Maybe you get sick. How so? How would you get sick? Is it mentally or physically as well? 
physical. Sometimes the body talks what the mind is unable to say. So don't be afraid about your feelings. Just get the space to talk about them, to learn how to cope with them. Emotional feelings give us information that give us roots for cope. Well, wanting to know if the students felt that way, I asked some of them about their feelings regarding the upcoming graduation. And this is what they said. That makes me feel excited and at the same time sad. I'm very excited about finally graduating, but on the other hand, I'm anxious about what's to come. Being so close to graduating, it makes me realize how time goes by so fast and that I'm just one step away from entering the world of work. I'm trying to get the most out of it, enjoy every second that I have uh, in uni, going to class, spending time with my classmates, doing projects. Honestly, I still don't know very well how to manage these feelings and sometimes my answer to them is just to avoid the subject. But with effort and hard work, I will be able to get wherever I want to eventually. Well, it seems that there are a lot of feelings at play. Some are happy and others not so much. <laughs> Trina, in regards to that uncertainty of what's next, how do we prevent that from paralyzing us, making it so that we don't even deal with it? Yeah, as long as you realize those feelings are normal and could be possible to appear, you will be able to cope. Okay. When you get paralyzed that you really don't know what to do, you get your deep breath. Give yourself affirmations. Get your creativity in action. Get help. You really don't need to know everything. Well, I guess that that makes a lot of sense. Do you think that imposter syndrome perhaps has a role to play in some of those negative feelings that some of them have? Yeah, the imposter syndrome is very dangerous and usually happens a lot. It's the feelings of inadequacy that you usually have when you are learning something, when you are doing something new. The thing is that your right brain gets crazy. So you have to stop thinking. Be yourself occupied in learning what you have to learn. Okay, and because of that, what are some healthy ways to face the fact that this stage of our lives is now over? It's like when you go to the ocean and you have the water uh, mar picado. Okay, yeah, choppy waters. Uh, you have to learn how to get in that water. So you have to get your resources and use it. Like, for example, when you begin with thoughts that are not healthy, stop thinking. And then go to your notebook and find your affirmations. Get a deep breath, read it, and then go to an image when you have been success, success in your career. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, Trina, I'll definitely keep that in mind when the time comes in a few months. Once again, Trina, thank you so, so much for joining us and giving the listeners such great advice. The pleasure all mine. Thank you very much. I hope that you can join us again in the future. And for those still listening, I'm about to interview a recruiter who will give us her perspective on interviews from a hire's point of view. So stay tuned.
now with us is Michelle Ermini, Penn State graduate with a certificate in Holocaust and Genocide Studies. Michelle has been recruiting for over three years, having worked for IE University and being sought after by companies in the Netherlands like Fur Harbor, Hayes, Sunotos, Folion, and more recently, Amplitude. She has recruited over 300 students from EMEA, helped expand a startup in the Netherlands, and now dabbling in the tech world and business development. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, Michelle, after so many years in, the, in recruitment and having experience from several companies, what would you say is the first thing that you notice or that catches your attention when you meet a candidate? I think that the first thing that I notice is stereotypes. Candidates often look up on the internet, like, how do I need to dress? What's the stereotypical answer that I should do for a position? And not so much trying to sell themselves as a person, but also they think that they need to know every single detail about the company when it's not expected for you to know every single detail. At the end of the day, you're just interviewing. What the recruiter wants to know essentially is what value are you going to add to the company what sets you apart from the rest because all we know is a piece of paper with everything that you have accomplished and then your profile on LinkedIn. So I think that that's something that often catches people. They think they know what we want to know or they think they know everything about the company. And sometimes that can be their biggest failure because they're not selling themselves. They're selling an image of what they think we want for them to know and what the stereotypical person inside the company looks like when actually that often makes them feel very like bland. Really? And having been in both the university environment and the business world as a recruiter, uh, would you say that's the biggest mistake as a candidate that one can make during an interview? And if not, what would you say is the biggest mistake? Absolutely. I think that also what you need to think about is university recruiting at the end of the day is just like business recruiting. Because universities are kind of like a corporation. You you need to get numbers. You need to get those students to roll in what sets you apart from other universities. So it's a corporation just with a different name to it. A university often has for, let's say, for one class, you can recruit about like 300 students, 200 students. Whilst with a professional career, you can have 300 applicants, but you need to fill one position. And I think that's really key because you have... The McKinsey's of the world, you have the Goldman Sachs, you have the JP Morgans, which are really like top companies that everybody wants to get into it. At the end of the day, they can just go out there and I, there's going to be people interested. Oh, there's always going to be somebody that's looking for a job or that's looking to do a master's or an MBA. So I think that sometimes, I guess with the university, there's not a lot of tension there because they know that eventually they could get in. Whilst with professional recruiting, there there's a bit more tension, especially because it's subjective. Because you don't know, really know what the situation of the candidate is. Because let's say that they just got fired and they're really looking for a job. The tension that they're feeling is quite different for somebody who's just looking for a career change. So you might see a little bit of shift in there, but at the end of the day, academic recruiting and professional recruiting is really the same thing. Okay. And what would you say separates a resume from another for a specific position when requirements are so similar? Sure, sure, sure. That's a really good question. I think that the first thing that you need to know about is fonts. And I know that that might seem kind of basic but, or weird or weird, <laughs> but with ATS system, which is like the algorithm that collects your data from your resume when you upload the resume, some 
ATS systems don't recognize all fonts. So sometimes you go into Canva or everything and you prepare this really nice resume. But once you upload it for us, we just see scribbles. And then I have to like download the file in order to see. So that extra click might deter me from seeing your profile. I, when I was applying to my university, I remember my college advisor telling me the first five seconds that a recruiter sees your resume are the most important in your entire portfolio. And I used to think that that was complete BS. I didn't believe her until I became a recruiter myself. And it's like in those first five seconds, if I don't see anything interesting or the ATS system didn't get your, your details correctly, I'm already uninterested. I'm not going to waste my time on you. The second of all is, and I know recruiters have a 50-50 stand on it, is your photo. I want to see who am I recruiting here. I know that some people say it's too cluttered. I personally prefer seeing your picture on your resume or if you have a logo or anything. I just want to get to know you a bit better. And then the rest is make sure that you have key points. If you are really interested in the position, but if you don't really have the exact same requirements, most often than not, you'll probably get overlooked. So maybe you do have what it takes to land the job and do the job right, but because you didn't use those key phrases, the algorithm is not picking it. So I just send you an automatic rejection and that's it. Cause it's like, okay, they don't match the description. I'm not gonna waste my time. Bye. Wow, you're kidding. Yeah. And it's it, it, it happens a lot, whether you're using your own ATS system or you're using LinkedIn Recruiter, if the, if the AI doesn't pick up on it, you're not going to get hired. So I think that that's something key. Maybe adding, like, there's plenty of apps in the world where you can see what are the most used words. So copy the job description, paste it, and see what are the words that are most used. And then make sure you add those words so it makes your job easier and my job easier as well because then I'm like okay it matches the description and then it's just off to into the interview I don't have to like psychoanalyze everything and because of that what would you say is something that recruiters find really impressive during an interview and if you have something in mind can you give us an example of something that you've experienced personally I think that's something that I always look forward to is how are you dressed? I don't want to see you in your pajamas, but I, if I see you like at 8 a.m. with a full tux, I know that you're just, it looks forced. It doesn't look genuine. I want to know you, like you can be professional and wear, I don't know, like a black turtleneck and it's not a tux. You still look put together for the interview, but I get to know your personality a bit more. Again, I just know you from a piece of paper and our software and then maybe LinkedIn. So I want to know not the 2D, but more of the 3D version of you. So if I see you on a tux, again, it's going back to that like forced facade of what you think we are looking for. Really? Personally, I'm a big of a fashionista. I like dressing <laughs> up. I think you know that. And I don't know. I feel like going dressed up for an interview is not so much being fake, but that candidate giving it the importance that they think the interview has. I know that there's this huge thing now about showing yourself how mm -hmm. you are. But I don't know. I feel like at least for that first interview, even if it's 8 a.m., being dressed up just shows, you know, how much you care for the position. Do you disagree with that? I agree and disagree. And here's the reason why. I don't want you to come in with a jeans and a t-shirt attitude. The thing that I don't want you is to be all gray or all black with like your tux and your blazer. Show color. You said that you're a fashionista. Wear that fashionista. Show me that. How do you represent yourself? That is definitely some great advice. Thank you so much for such an interesting conversation. 
Thank you so much for having me. I had a really good time. Well, that is great. That everyone was Michelle Armini, former recruiter and current sales development representative. Thank you for coming. Thank you. And that's a wrap for another episode of Mind Your Coffee. We hope that you enjoyed our conversation about mental health issues in students and learned some valuable insight and advice along the way. Remember, mental health is a topic that affects us all and it's important to keep the conversation going. We hope that our discussions over a cup of coffee has helped break down a little of the stigma surrounding mental health and encouraged you to seek help if you need it. A big thank you to the students at Seu San Pablo University for sharing their stories with us and to our resident psychologist and the professional guest speaker on recruiting for their valuable contributions. So let's keep sipping our coffees and having those important conversations because together we can make a difference in the lives of students struggling with mental health issues. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you in the next episode of Mind Your Coffee.